This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I'm delighted to welcome Jimena Venguachea to the show. Jimena will talk about her modern and practical listening playbook. Jimena, welcome. I'm really delighted that you're with me today. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. So the book is called Listen Like You Mean It, Reclaiming the Lost Art of True Connection. And I'll tell you, as a career coach, that made me so happy just to literally read the title of your book, because I think we often uh, listen to respond and don't listen to hear. But I'd love for you to bring us back to the genesis of this book. What inspired you to write about listening like you mean it? Yes. And I love the distinction you made because that's exactly part of what I'm trying to get at with the book. So the genesis, so my day job is as a user researcher. So I work at tech companies and I interview people about how they're using products. And the training there is to really understand other people's needs and their motivations um, and how we can make products work better for them. Um, and test pressure test ideas. And as I was developing that experience, I realized that a lot of the techniques that researchers are trained in translate actually quite well to the real world and could help us go quite a bit further in conversation. And so I started to kind of test out these different techniques um, outside of the lab. And as I became a manager, I found them to be extremely effective as well. And so I just thought this is something that could work for everyone. And I think particularly right now in this moment where we're kind of experiencing this cultural and political divide, we're now because of the pandemic dealing with a geographic (laughs) distance between us as well. Um, I think that when you're able to really truly listen to someone and hear them, you see them, you understand them, and you get to build a stronger relationship as a result. Um, and and I think that's really needed in general and especially right now. And so it just felt like the right time to translate what I'd learned from my experience and help bring that to a broader application in the real world. I agree with you. It, it's more important, I think, now more than ever as we are, are forced into a remote virtual environment. So you, you talk about how listening is something that we often default to the autopilot, right? We, we hear what someone is saying, but we don't go deeper. We don't um, really provide an opportunity to give and receive honest feedback and make connections. Tell me more about that. Sure. Yeah. So I think most of us kind of just show up in conversation without really thinking about it. Or if we think about it, we are typically thinking about it from the perspective of a speaker. So it's how do I get my ideas across or how can I influence others or give a better presentation or a better pitch? But we forget about the other side of the equation, which is listening deeply with empathy to understand the other person. And so when we're not intentional about it, we sort of catch what's happening at a literal surface. Maybe if we're working a little bit harder, we can grasp some deeper meaning. And the area that I'm really interested in is going even beyond that to this kind of third level of emotion. So what is the other person's emotional experience? Because that's where you really start to connect on a human level and build those stronger relationships. The book is about 
strategies, very practical and funny and, and warm suggestions. I mean, reading bits of it, it, it it's, it's lovely because we, I, I feel your voice uh, in this. So give, give us an idea. How do, we, how do we build rapport, especially with people that we don't know? Maybe it's a new colleague or it could even be a, a new neighbor on your street. You know, how do you start that? Yeah. So the first thing that I recommend doing is coming into conversation with what I call a listening mindset. So a listening mindset means bringing three traits in, and that's humility, empathy, and curiosity. So humility is the idea that you don't have all the answers. And this is really important, especially when it comes to things like making assumptions or, um, you know, carrying strong beliefs, which I think we all have in this moment, but it's being open. And this, I think, is sometimes actually easier when in the scenarios that you're talking about where it's maybe a new colleague or a new neighbor, someone you're meeting for the first time, we tend to be more open in general. It gets harder the more we know someone because we start to form an opinion. Um, We've got this shared history. And so we start to make assumptions. So humility becomes even more important as that relationship develops. And then there's also curiosity. If humility is what is kind of allowing us to open the conversation from a part of, you know, equal partnership, then curiosity is what allows us to go deeper. And sometimes it's easier for us to be curious about things that we naturally like, that we have a natural instinct in, than it is on topics that maybe we've kind of decided, yeah, that's not really for me. But it's super important to still be able to bring that curiosity in because let's say this new colleague is really interested in a topic that you just don't care for. I'll say in my case, it's sports. Not, it's not, not my you know, topic of choice. But if I have a new colleague who's really interested in sports, I have a choice. I can either shut down or change the conversation topic or say, wow, well, we have nothing in common. Or I can get curious about, well, why is this person so interested in sports? I wonder where this came from. I wonder if there's some sort of, you know, family tradition or what that relationship to sports is like. It could be any topic, right? But by way of example. So curiosity allows you to go a little bit deeper and get to know that person. So I'm going to dovetail. Can I ask a question? Forgive me for interrupting. I'm intrigued by curiosity because in my brain, it also says, okay, probing and asking questions. Is there a way to do that, especially in a new relationship that doesn't feel um, like an interrogation? Yes, definitely. So I would say there's there's two parts. Part of curiosity isn't even saying anything necessarily. It's observing, so it's it's starting to understand, okay, like this is this is something that this person is bringing up. Um, you know, they've brought this up before. This is important to them. So it's it's silently observing and and seeing what you can learn sometimes by being quiet and staying silent. Um, But then the other part is active and it is about asking questions. And so in the book, I talk about two kinds of questions. One are what I call disconnecting questions, which are actually questions that uh, we tend to use all the time without realizing. So that might be asking a, a yes or no question or asking a question that, you know, results in a one word response. And without realizing, we might be leading the other person to give a particular response. It just, it kind of happens instinctively. And then the other question, which is what I recommend kind of trying trying out and, and trying to practice are connecting questions. 
And these are much more open-ended. They allow the other person to take things as far as they want to or not. So you're not pushing someone to answer a certain set of questions. And it's not, you know, a constant, like, here's 10 questions in a row. I'm going to interrogate you. You know, it's open-ended. So you might have an open-ended question. Let's say, um, you know, you want to know what this new coworker thinks about a, an upcoming presentation. Instead of saying something like, are you worried about tomorrow's presentation? You might say, how do you feel about tomorrow's presentation? Um, and that allows that person to to say, oh, I'm worried, or actually, I'm super excited. You know, I'm, I feel really prepared. It can take you down many different paths. And there's also, and I think this really helps with your point about, you know, not making it feel like interrogation. There's questions that don't even sound like questions. And these I call encouraging questions because they just slightly nudge the conversation a little bit further. And so that can sound something like, tell me more about that or say more or what else? They're just, they're really short, but that allows you to go from, oh, I'm, I'm excited about this presentation to, oh, oh, say more. Oh, well, I'm excited because at my last job, da, 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 whatever it may be. And so when you start to play around with those connecting questions, it allows you to take the conversation further without it feeling like, you know, wow, this person is maybe too interested in me. Those were great examples. Thank you. That clarifies so much. And as a coach, uh, those questions really resonate with me. Tell me more, say more. It's a, it's a lovely way to, to prompt someone. And as you said, open up space for additional conversation. Hey, Maida, this is an awesome conversation and we're going to be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. You know, we're in podcast mode, so we can't see our audience, but I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear because something that you said uh, really resonated with me before the break that you need to think about, this is my word uh, or words, we need to listen with our eyes as well as our ears because you talk about decoding someone's posture or really watching how people react. I'd love for you to unpack that more. And it's an interesting reality because so many of us are conducting meetings on Zoom or WebEx or Teams. And that thumbnail video is is part of our connection. So tell me more. Sure. Yeah. So observation is so key and I think easy to forget when it comes to listening. But it does involve things like looking at the other person's body language and also our own because we don't realize what we're broadcasting in our own bodies at the same time. And that has an impact on the other person. We sort of feed off of each other in that way. And so one of the the things to look for, and this is admittedly easier in person, but one of the things to look for is, you know, how um, receptive 
does this person seem based on their body language versus protective? So a protective posture might be, you know, your arms are crossed, your legs could be crossed. You're kind of making yourself smaller or shielding yourself in some way. Whereas a more receptive posture, it really is an opening up of all the the limbs in that way. And it's just, it seems warm. It seems friendly. So you're looking for things like that. In uh, over video, it's much, much harder. You only have from the neck up often, right? And so there you're really looking at the face and looking for cues. You're looking for how distracted they might seem. You know, are they looking away a lot? Um, it, it is harder though. And that's why I actually think phone can be sometimes more helpful than having a video call if you're having a conversation where you really need to understand the other person. And it's counterintuitive, but I can hear when you smile, right? I can't see you, but I can hear that over the line. And that's true of a lot of emotions where without the screen, you're forced to focus even more on sound and that can still help you understand where the other person is at. So, you know, in person, if you have that option, there's a lot that you can glean from body language. Sometimes it can be helpful to go audio only. And the only other thing that I'll add is that it's not just you know, what are they doing with their body, but listen to, to the voice. So our pitch can change in conversation. Our pacing can change in conversation. Our tone can change. And that can tell us a lot. Some people are naturally fast talkers or naturally slower talkers. If there's a shift, if someone goes from speaking slowly and deliberately and suddenly speeds up or vice versa, that's generally a good sign that, oh, there's, there might be something here, you know, did the conversation topic change? Did, did I touch on something maybe sensitive? Is this something difficult that the person is working through? But when you start to hear those shifts, those are generally good cues to pay more attention. One of the things that I love about your book is you illustrate a set of scripts and questions and exercises that we can all relate to. And you teach us how to navigate that. So let me give you a hypothetical. What about a conversation that's just gone off the rails, right? It's not going well. How do you coach us to to work through that in real time? Yeah. The first thing I would say is if it's really gone off the rails, there is absolutely nothing wrong with pausing and taking a break. I think that sometimes we feel like we need to power through. And especially in professional settings, it can feel like we don't have a choice. Even saying, hey, I think I need to take a quick restroom break. You know, something as simple as that, like, can I have five minutes? Most people are not going to say no to that request. They're going to say, okay. And that gives you just a few minutes to calm yourself down and collect yourself and kind of return to hopefully a state of, you know, a more neutral state. So I do think if you're really you know, feeling like, wow, both of us are really charged, it's 100% okay and may actually be the best course of action to hit pause or to say, you know, if there's enough trust in the relationship, um, this feels like it's getting the best of us. Certainly, it's getting the best of me. What do you think about coming back to this tomorrow or whatever it may be? If you're in a conversation where, you know, you've had that break, or maybe it's not quite as charged, but you feel like it might be getting there. I think one of the important things is to share your intention. Um, 
it it's very easy to assume the worst of the other person if you don't know why they're, you know, taking you down this path. So if you're asking questions that are making someone uncomfortable or let's say you've given feedback and the person is kind of resisting that feedback, just restating those intentions of the reason I'm giving you this feedback is because I want to see you grow and I don't want XYZ to hold you back. Like reiterating where this is coming from can help the other person. And then I also think managing any power dynamics that may be in play uh, becomes really important. And so let's say, again, and we'll take the context of a performance conversation um, that maybe isn't going super well. If you are the person in the position of quote unquote power, which would be like the manager who's providing this feedback, there are things that you can do to help the other person feel safer with you and to receive that feedback better. And so you can model that behavior and be vulnerable and say something like, you know, I struggled with this too when I was first in your role. Or just kind of humanize it a little bit and and help the person see that you've had to deal with this in some way. It makes it more accessible. And if you're on the other side of the table, then I recommend um, trying to find that other person's humanity. So we often think, oh, my manager or my director or so-and-so, there's the title, there's, you know, their position of authority. There's lots of things that we could potentially be intimidated by. But what if we just thought about them as a human who also has flaws and makes mistakes and maybe makes different mistakes than us or the same ones, but they're human, right? And so when we start to strip away the title um, and their position of authority, that helps us also meet them on a more human level. So those are some ideas that can help with a difficult conversation, sort of depending on, you know, where in in that difficult conversation you are, how heated it is, or how, how tough a conversation it is um, that you can bring to the table. You know, as you spoke about finding the humanity, it, it also um, makes me believe that this book is incredibly relevant on a personal level, too, in addition to our, our professional relationships at work and on the job, right? These are things, these are techniques that we can use with our family and our loved ones and our friends. Definitely. And and one of the things that I recommend, especially in arguments with a, a spouse or a family, for instance, is going beyond just thinking of the other person's humanity and actually thinking of them as a child. That can be really useful because it's hard to be mad at at a child. It's hard to be mad at someone who, you know, you can picture, maybe you even have um, pictures of your spouse or whomever when they're eight or something. And it's like, well, okay, try and conjure that. That's who you're mad at right now, or that's who you're having a difficult moment with right now. And that can also change the tenor of that conversation. So as a public speaker, I know the power of the pause to emphasize and and hone in on a, a point. You write about pause at the right time can encourage vulnerability. Tell me more. Yeah, so a well-placed pause um, has the ability to just create a little more space for people without pushing them too far. So it can be as simple as, you know, let's say someone is telling you that they've got a lot on their plate. I think this is very common right now with the pandemic. You know, they're managing work and home and feeling like there's too much um, and they're they're kind of venting or expressing all this. 
you can summarize what you've heard and then just pause and give that person more space. So you can say, it sounds like you're having a hard time. And then you wait. And generally, people will say, yeah, this is what I'm experiencing. Or if you're wrong, if you've heard wrong, then that gives them an opportunity to correct you. But that pause allows you to kind of pass them the mic again. And it's important that you're sort of summarizing what you've heard because then you go deeper, right? It's not just, okay, now I'm going to let this person ramble. It's I'm summarizing what I've heard. Did I get that right? I did. Okay, let's go deeper. Or I didn't correct me and let's go in, in this other direction. Jimena, I learned so much from you today. Thank you. I am just delighted to have spent time with you on the show. And I want to tell our global audience the title of your book so they can run out and get it if the bookstores are open or if they're going to shop on Amazon. It's called Listen Like You Mean It, Reclaiming the Lost Art of True Connection. Jimena Venguachea, I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.